You are God in three persons. Lord God, this morning we reflect back to you just some of the blessing that you pour out on us. You are a holy God. It's amazing how the glimpse of a never-changing God always changes us. God, open our eyes that we might see. Open our hearts that we might live by your Spirit, even in this world. We ask these things by the power of It's in the name of your son, Jesus. To him be all glory and power and majesty and honor forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Be seated if you can. Ain't God good. Well, I'm on vacation and I just can't stay away from church. So... It's a, it's a joy to be with you and a special treat to be in town uh, when Keith Wheeler is going to be here and his wife, Nicole. Is, you've wondered why Keith is looking so good this morning. It's, it's Nicole that's with him, his wife. Let's give her a hand as she's come as well. Keith is fresh back from uh, trekking across Europe with um, the cross, uh, and he'll come with many stories of uh, what God is doing. He saw God doing there, uh, many God sightings uh, you'll hear today, and I, I've come especially this morning because even on vacation, things continue to happen ar- around the church. I, I come to announce to you we do have a new bishop. Uh, our bishop was elected at jurisdictional conference, and luckily uh, a former Oki uh, was holding the gavel when it came time to where people would be uh, assigned, and we got the cream of the crop. His name is Jimmy Nunn. And uh, he'll be coming as our bishop in September. Uh, bishop Hayes is a very difficult act to follow. But if anybody in the United Methodist Church is up to it, I think it's Jimmy Nunn. I didn't know Jimmy before uh, this election, but I quickly scrambled on the phone to call people who did and to figure out what was in the box that we were getting. And uh, all, all good news. Uh, Jimmy is a different Uh, sort of bishop. Most bishops have campaigned vigorously for their honor. They show up at jurisdictional conference with all kinds of little slicks with their face on it and their qualifications and they're passing it out to all their friends so that all may be informed when it comes time to vote. As was the case, uh, Jimmy's supporters had plenty of slicks for him. He had them in the trunk of his car and when it came time to campaign, he left them there. Uh, he is not a political man. He's a Jesus man. And Keith was saying beforehand, as he traveled across Europe, he would often be asked, what kind of Christian are you? <laughs> we come with such different stripes and shapes these days, you know. And I love Keith's response. It was, well, you tell me what kind of Christian Jesus was. That's the kind of Christian I am because I'm following Jesus. Amen? Amen. And, and I know that's our heart here. Uh, we follow Christ, and it's his kingdom that we're first of all dedicated to, and as that can work itself out in this world through the United Methodist Church or other churches and other believers that we are part of the same spiritual church with, so let it be. 
Um, but there is news that I need to share with you that you'll probably be reading in the papers this week, if you haven't already, of happenings within the United Methodist Church. About a month ago, our general conference met, and it became obvious at general conference that a growing majority, rather than a narrowing majority, a growing majority were supporting our statements on human sexuality. So much so that those that were so uh, opposed to those statements um, threatened to disrupt the conference, and eventually the conference decided to put off all questions about human sexuality until a specially called conference so that the business of general conference could continue. Uh, and that conference, that commission is being put together and will perhaps meet before our next general conference four years from now. But since that time, those who were opposed to our present statements and considered them statements that uh, were considered hateful um, have planned and proposed disobedience, widespread disobedience to our United Methodist discipline, which is something that the General Conference updates every four years. Uh, that's the law of our church. That's our covenant that we've agreed on together by a massive a group of delegates every four years, both clergy and laity, as to what our church is to be about. And I want you informed. How many of you have ever read or heard, read to you, the, our statement on human sexuality in the Methodist Church? That, that, that's part of my concern. Is some of us have, but so few of us haven't. Let me read it to you. And... Uh, you can listen to it. I want you to listen to it for yourself. What I hear in this statement is a wonderful balance between the church's commitment to scriptural holiness and to love. But let me read it to you. You decide what you hear. Human sexuality, paragraph F of paragraph of, of uh, 161 of the United Methodist Book of Discipline. I'm reading it from the discipline. This is from a section called the Nurturing Community. Uh, a was on the family. B was on marriage. C was our statement on divorce. D was on single persons. F is on human sexuality. I'll read that to you. G is family violence and abuse. H is a statement on sexual abuse and violence. Uh, ministry uh, to those who have experienced an abortion and abortion adoption, faithful care for dying persons, uh, suicide, those kinds of issues are all addressed. And this part of our social principles, our social principles are those ideals that we think stretch us towards what, how God would have us live with one another and in this world. And here is our statement on human sexuality. We affirm that sexuality is God's good gift to all persons. We call everyone to responsible stewardship of this sacred gift. Although all persons are sexual beings, whether or not they are married, sexual relations are affirmed only with the covenant of monogamous heterosexual marriage. We deplore all forms of commercialization, abuse, and exploitation of sex. We, can, uh, we call for strict global enforcement of laws prohibiting the sexual exploitation of children and for adequate protection, guidance, and counseling for abused children, all persons, all persons, regardless of age, gender, marital status, or sexual orientation, are entitled to have their human and civil rights insured and to be protected against violence. 
the church should support the family in providing age-appropriate education regarding sexuality to children, youth, and adults. We affirm that all persons are individuals of sacred worth. We affirm that all persons are individuals of sacred worth, created in the image of God. All persons need the ministry of the church in their struggle for human fulfillment as well as the spiritual and emotional care of a fellowship that enables reconciling relationships with God, with others, and with self. The United Methodist Church does not condone the practice of homosexuality and considers this practice incompatible with Christian teaching. We affirm that God's grace is available to all. We will seek to live together in Christian community, welcoming, forgiving, and loving one another as Christ has loved and accepted us. We implore families and churches not to reject or condemn lesbian and gay members and friends. We commit ourselves to be in ministry for and with all people. Uh, that's the official statement. Uh, and our church continues to be divided over how we hear that. Uh, there is a minority within the church. It looks to be at this point about 10% of our church that has promised, if that didn't change at this general conference, that they would start to live in disobedience to that discipline and to uh, that social principle. And that has begun to happen. Here are the instances of it. And I quote this from a letter from the Confessing Movement that um, bullet points these actions since General Conference. The Western Jurisdiction, which is the California area, has elected Reverend Karen Oliveto, an openly gay clergy person, as a bishop of the church. The New York Conference approved three clergy candidates for commissioning and one for ordination in violation of the vows, the covenants, and the discipline of the church. Three, at least four conferences have passed resolutions declaring an action of nonconformity with the General Conference of the United Methodist Church, that they would not comply with the provision of the discipline that discriminates against LGBTQ persons, unquote. The Oregon-Idaho Board of Ordained Ministry joined with four other boards of ministry indicating candidates would be considered for ministry without regard to sexual orientation or gender identification. The conference and four others also defied the actions of the general conference which legislated that the church withdraw from the religious coalition for reproductive choice by either joining the national organization or the regional organizations. You understand, General Conference, they said that the United Methodist Church specifically would be forbidden from being a part of those organizations. The Cal Nevada Conference passed a resolution saying that the discipline would not be followed as it relates to items concerning LGBTQIA persons. Q is for queer or questioning, I is for intersex, A is for asexual. These actions come as no surprise as the LGBTQ advocates, even before General Conference, indicated that they intended to close down the church if their demands were not met. 
In light of these actions, numbers of persons and churches have asked what the confessing movement, who writes this letter, and other uh, orthodox evangelical renewal groups within the church will do now. Many have urged that we simply declare the United Methodist Church apostate and start a new denomination. Others have urged that there be a withholding of apportionment money. There is a sense that our covenant relationships have been betrayed. Uh, For the moment, though, we urge patience. We are not yet giving up on the United Methodist Church, but we ask for some time to discern God's will. With that in mind, we offer these statements at the moment. Their first statement calls for a meeting in October, October the 7th, where those concerned to uphold our discipline and the doctrines of the United Methodist Church might meet in Chicago uh, to conference about what's the best action. Uh, I intend to be at that meeting. We wish to give uh, the commission that the bishops commissioned over the next two years to study this a chance. But in the meantime, they say we call upon the bishops and leaders of the church to follow the discipline, even if this brings the church into conflict with those who are presently denouncing our doctrines and discipline of the church. You need to know that this jurisdiction, or the South Central jurisdiction, upon learning of these facts, immediately sent a a petition to the judicial uh, council of the church, the Supreme Court, so to speak, of the United Methodist Church, asking for a ruling about the constitutionality of what these uh, renegade conferences have done. And uh, that's our conference. We spoke first uh, to take exception to that. We're not certain what kind of recommendation the judicial council could give. Um, and, and those could vary. Um, it could be, well, I'm speaking, this is your pastor speaking at this point. Uh, it could be that the judicial council might say that those conferences, in terms of their ordination, their ordination is no longer recognized by the General United Methodist Church because they are not following the policies of the United Methodist Church. The thing about a a church as developed as the United Methodist Church as it is, there's almost always a checks and balance when things get out of place. But we've never had things get quite this far out of place. So it is a challenge to to our church as to how we will respond. We must remember that even in those conferences that are in open rebellion to the church, that there are members, that there are pastors, that there are congregations as a minority within those majorities within those conferences— that would support the discipline. And we have to be careful not to abandon uh, any of our brothers and sisters. Um, but, but that is where we are. Um, you need to know that this is going on in the church, but you also need to know what a minority this is within our church. Chances are uh, news outlets will not speak carefully they will say that the United Methodist Church has elected a gay bishop. And that's not really true. A renegade conference who is exercising uh, actions outside of what the United Methodist Church has agreed upon is the way we will proceed with these issues and respond to these issues has done so. 
so just be careful what you hear. And this is the reason I bring this to you this morning, is I want you to be informed. So whatever you hear in the media, uh, you have a clear understanding of what's going on so that you can be advocates of sanity and clarity as we continue to follow a changeless God and follow Jesus Christ. We will find a way to do that. And uh, I have every confidence in that. I don't know how that's going to work itself out. But if it comes to following Christ, I'm up for it. How about you? <laughs> Let me put it in perspective. Furthermore, we do not consider that we are a minority within the church. The eight conferences of the church which have declared themselves in defiance of the general conference and of the discipline of the church, together account for only less than 650,000 members within a 12 million member church. In other words, less than 10% of the American United Methodist Church. Less than 6% of the global United Methodist Church. So to say that the United Methodist Church is acting here is not a uh, fair portrayal of the facts. So my, my word to you is don't panic. We can follow Jesus tomorrow just like we follow him today. And God help us, we will. My hope is that from this, that the United Methodist Church will only gain clarity about what following Christ means, only grow in love, that we might redemptively live with one another, continue to be partners in each other's quest for holiness, continue to believe in the inclusive promise of transformation for every individual who turns to follow Christ and asks the Holy Spirit to live within his heart. That is who we are, and we will not cease to be that, so help me God. Would you pray with me? Lord God, as we come for communion this morning, we pray that our hearts would be overwhelmed by yours, that we might rest in your sovereignty and in your love, that we might have clarity of what it means to follow you, not only in policy, but in spirit and in heart. That we might do your work and live as your people in this day, even within our particular church. We pray, Lord God, for wisdom for our leaders. That every step they take would be steps that track your spirit. We pray, Lord God, for the witness of this church. That we would continue to lift you up. When we're asked what kind of Christians we are, may we be those who follow Jesus. Give us clarity and courage, conviction about what that means. May it translate into redemptive love wherever we go. And Lord God, we know it was your prayer in Gethsemane that we be one even as the Father is in you, and you are in the Father. It's not in 
policies or politics that were one. It's in you, Lord God. In you. May you live in us and we live in you as we partake of this meal and renew that union this morning. We thank you, Lord God, that you are still on the throne. That you are the Lord of all eternity and you are the Lord of the church. We pray that you would raise up your church to seize the moment, the opportunities for your kingdom in this present age. And we pray, Lord God, it would start right here with us. Make of us your ambassadors. Shape our hearts after Christ even as we become to partake of that meal that his shed blood won and bought and gives to us. On the night that he gave himself up for us, Jesus,